Hey, welcome to the podcast for Gospel Community Church in Providence, Rhode Island. We are the family of God, redeemed and transformed by Jesus, called to live on mission with one another. The content you are about to listen to is designed and created specifically with our church family in mind, and our hope is that you are blessed and challenged as you listen to it. May it point you to Jesus, challenge you to draw into a faith family, and help you live out the mission of God in your own context. If you find this content helpful, would you consider joining us in the work God is doing here? You can do so by giving financially to help keep the work going, praying for us regularly, or even joining us in our daily and weekly rhythms here in Providence. Thanks for tuning in. Enjoy. Today, we will be reading Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 through 26. But I say... Walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and these things alike. I warn you, as I have warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness and goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ, Jesus, have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Amen. Guys, there's so many new things this week. I'm wearing sandals. Some of you guys are wearing sunglasses. I'm wearing sunglasses. We're at church. The word orgies was said. Let's just put that out there. That's kind of awkward. In the name of Jesus. That's strange. Um, no, I'm so happy we're doing this series on the Holy Spirit. It's something that Tim and I, um, we started planning for in January. Um, we said, God, we want to know how we can relate to you better. We want to know how we can understand your Holy Spirit and walk by your Spirit. So let's go through this together as a church. That's why we're doing it now. I was not here last Sunday, uh, and I can tell you with sincerity that I missed you all. Uh, it was weird being away. It was the first Sunday being away since we moved up here. Um, but thank you guys for letting us go away. It was a really great trip. Uh, we went back to our sending church in Lynchburg, Virginia. So if any of you are watching, hey, uh, it was nice to see you last week. Uh, We went back there last week and something cool really happened that I didn't even realize was going on in the world with the church. So uh, our church back in Lynchburg is going through a series currently on the Holy Spirit. Uh, They're teaching through this for the next month. And there's something called the church calendar, which has been used Uh, for hundreds of years in various churches across the world. Not every church, but various churches across the world. And basically, it's a pattern for the year for churches to go through on, like, 
what they should be focusing on in certain times of, times of the year. I didn't really know this existed until about five years ago when our church started following this church calendar. But a part of that church calendar is to celebrate the day of Pentecost, which if you've read the book of Acts, is the day that the Holy Spirit descends and lots of crazy things happen. Long story short, 3,000 people give their lives totally to Jesus, are filled and indwelt with the power of the Holy Spirit, and the church begins. It's like literally the actual first church service. Like the first sermon was preached, you can read it, it's in scripture, it's pretty awesome. But in the church calendar, there's a day set apart in the year and kind of a season that is meant to focus on that. And that started on May 23rd. Now I'd love to say that Tim and I were like thinking about that when we said, let's do a series on the Holy Spirit. That was not the case. Uh, but I love when things like that just happen where there's loads of churches across the world right now that are going through a similar series as us, leaning in, trying to understand who the Holy Spirit is and how they can better walk in His power and be in submission to Him. So I just thought that was kind of cool. So today we're gonna kind of keep going on what Tim started last week. Tim did a great job last week just introing who is the Holy Spirit. Cheers to Tim, because we all have iced coffees. Um, but we're going to be asking three questions this morning, okay? First question is, we're going to recap, who is the Holy Spirit? Tim touched on it last week. I'm just going to recap a little bit of that. The second question is, what is the Holy Spirit like? And how do I know when it's the Holy Spirit? And then the third question is, how am I supposed to engage with the Holy Spirit? So that's kind of where we're headed before we dive in. Let's just take a moment. I'm going to pray for us that the Holy Spirit would be present even in my mouth, in my words. So let's go ahead and pray real quick. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for the sunshine, for the opportunity to gather outside freely, for giving us a space to gather in this week as we have been booted out of our former gathering space. You've made a way. So God, thank you for continuing to sustain us. And now we ask that you would speak to us now. That you would give me the words to say. And that they would be words that would lead us into action, to knowing you and loving you more. We ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Okay. First question. Who is the Holy Spirit? Now, I know we were asked this in our gospel community groups this past week. For those of you who are watching, the sermon is just kind of touching the surface on what we go through as a church. We have questions midweek that we go through to go deeper. If you'd like to be a part of that, come visit us. Come join a gospel community because that's where we're really going to go deep. But this week, we asked the question, who do you think the Holy Spirit is? And we got a varying array of answers some super helpful, some I'm not sure. But we kind of want to keep continuing just talking about who the Holy Spirit is. So the Holy Spirit, as we see in the scriptures, is a person. Tim did a great job last week of reminding us that the Holy Spirit is not just a mystical energy force, but in the same way that God the Father and Jesus the Son are persons, the Holy Spirit is also 
a person. You know, the interesting thing about Christianity is we believe that God is one, but we also believe that God exists as one in three distinct persons while not being multiple gods. I don't know if that's something that you guys think about very often, okay? It very much sets us apart from other religions of the world, the way other people perceive and view God. People often shy away from this like idea because oh, the idea of the Trinity, it makes people feel uncomfortable. Even just as I said that now, how did that make you feel? Uncomfortable. I saw Kevin's mouth go uncomfortable. It's kind of what happens. So because of that, a lot of us kind of tend to shy away from it because we want to be able to fully wrap our minds around things if we're gonna like engage. But thankfully, the Bible does help us understand this if we would only just read it with eyes open to see. All throughout scripture, from creation, through the life of Jesus, into Acts, the beginning of the church, we see Father, Son, and Spirit functioning in relationship with one another. The book of John is probably the best place that you could go to to see this regularly because John is just constantly talking about the relationship between Father, Son, and Spirit throughout his entire gospel. So if you want to look deeper into that, just read the book of John, have open eyes to see, oh, what does this relationship look like? We've talked about this on previous Sundays, but I'm just going to say it as a reminder. I love the way C.S. Lewis talks about this eternal relationship of Father, Son, and Spirit. He calls it an eternal dance. Oftentimes, when you think of the gospel, like presenting the gospel, hearing the gospel, where does it usually start? Like any good Christian who grew up in Awanas or went to Bible camp or went to youth group knows that the gospel starts at God created the world. Actually, the gospel doesn't start there. That would be extremely man-centered to say that the gospel starts with God creating us. Now instantly the whole story revolves around us. But the first line of scripture says, in the beginning, God, in the beginning, God, in the beginning, God existed. And then it goes on to detail these three distinct persons, the word of God, the spirit hovering over the waters, the father. So what's happening before we're even created is a relationship that God exists in among himself, a love relationship that C.S. Lewis calls a dance. God is good because he is loving. We can't say God is good unless he exists in relationship. And we can't say he's loving unless he exists in relationship, but we can say with confidence that God is good and has been good for all of eternity because he's constantly existed in relationship with himself. And this is the beauty, guys. When we say we believe in Jesus and we give our lives to Jesus, what we're saying is we're now united to the eternal son who has been loved by the father for all of eternity or indwelt by his spirit and we're caught up in that love relationship. This is just a foundation of Christianity that I just wanted to remind us of before we go any farther and talk about one of those persons of the Trinity. 
because we are going to focus specifically on the Holy Spirit. And I think oftentimes we do emphasize God the Father, God the Son, but not sure what to do with the Holy Spirit. And there's reasons for that, because most of us can pinpoint what a father is like, because maybe we ha most of us have a father that's present in our lives. Some of us don't, but we have seen other father figures, so we can pinpoint what that relationship kind of looks like, who that person is. We have like a picture. And even some people like make these crazy paintings of like what the father looks like, this throne or something with like lots of white lights for however like crazy and weird and probably wrong that is. Um, we have some type of picture in our minds. And we think of Jesus, and you know, we've got the European paintings of like white Jesus and you know, stuff like that. And for as weird and crazy as that is, we have something that we can point to. We know that Jesus was born, entered into the world, lived among us, in the world, but when it comes to the spirit, it doesn't seem much like a person. Even just the word spirit leads to take your mind somewhere very different. But I want to emphasize the personhood of the Holy Spirit. This is what the scriptures say about the relationship that the Holy Spirit has with people. So think about this. Acts 7 says that we are able to resist the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 4 says we have the ability to grieve the Holy Spirit. In the book of Acts, it says that we can lie to the Holy Spirit. The verse we're looking at today, the passage, it says we need to walk in step with the Spirit and we need to be led by the Spirit. Now, all of those things are something that you do in the context of relationship with a person. A person leads you. You can lie to a person. So just because we can't see the Holy Spirit doesn't mean we don't have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. We very much have a relationship with the Holy Spirit, even if we don't recognize that we have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. And I think that a lot of people that grew up in the tradition that I do fall in that category. We know the Holy Spirit exists. We have no idea how to relate to him and what our relationship with him looks like. And at best, it's probably unhealthy. So we're going to speak into this a little bit. This brings us to our second question. If the Holy Spirit is a person, then what's he like? And how can I know him? Um, I'm a little bit comforted, and I hope you are, that if you feel a little bit awkward about not knowing how to relate to the Holy Spirit and like who he is exactly, you're, you're not alone. One of the top religious leaders of Jesus' time struggled with the same thing. So you're in like pretty good company with that. It was a guy named Nicodemus. And you guys probably know John 3.16. Like, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That verse. That's Jesus talking to this man, Nicodemus. And in that context of that relationship, Jesus talking to Nicodemus, he tells Nicodemus this about the Holy Spirit. So listen to this. This is John 3, 8. If you want to open your Bibles or just make a mental note or just like ping something to look at it later. It'll be in our guide for this week. Jesus says this about the Holy Spirit. He says, the wind blows where it wishes and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. I'm going to share a story that will hopefully highlight what Jesus is talking about a little bit. 
um, the service we were back at down in Virginia last week, since they were talking about the Holy Spirit, the guy who was preaching started his sermon with this really, really good story that I think highlighted um, this idea of uh, what, the, what the Holy Spirit is like and how we can pinpoint and know the Holy Spirit. He said this. So he uh, would play blocks with his kid, get down on the floor, play blocks all the time, and they would build this tower. And then as soon as it got real high, all the blocks were used up. He would take a stuffed animal or something, and the little boy would go, Daddy, Daddy, do it, do it. And of course, you know what was about to happen. The stuffed animal would bulldoze the tower. And then um, the dad would say, Son, what knocked over the tower? And he would say, The hippo knocked over the tower, or whatever the stuffed animal was. And one time, the, they built this tower up real tall. And as they were building it, a little breeze from a fan came and it knocked the tower down before he could knock it down with something else. So he says to his son, he goes, what knocked down the tower? And he's like, I don't know. He had no response. And the dad goes, the wind knocked down the tower. And the son goes, no, nope, wasn't the wind. And he goes, huh, no son, it was the wind. And the son like digs his feet in the ground. He's just like, nope, it couldn't be the wind. It definitely wasn't one of the wind. And at this point, the dad's like, this is make-believe. I'm allowed to make-believe too. <laughs> like, this is not just you having fun. Like, I'm trying to have fun here too. So son, it was the wind. And the son's response was, no, dad. This is, he was like two or three, three probably. He says, no, dad, it couldn't be the wind. There are no trees. <laughs> what? And the dad's like, literally, like, what are you talking about? There's no trees. But then he thought for a second. There had been some really bad windstorms the week before. And they would look out their back window when the windstorms were going, and the sun would go, Dad, the trees are dancing so much. It's beautiful. And he was just like in awe of like how the trees were moving. And then the parents would both say, yeah, it's really windy today. So the sun recognized what the wind was by the effect it had on the trees. This is what Jesus is talking about to Nicodemus. He says, do you hear the sound? And Nicodemus says, yeah, it's the wind. How'd you know it was the wind? Because you recognize the sound of the wind. So he's trying to say, this is how we recognize who the Holy Spirit is. Okay, you guys see what we're talking about here? There are certain things that we can pinpoint that's the work of the Holy Spirit. And the scriptures inform us to look out. So how can we know the Holy Spirit? If that's the question, how can we know it's the Holy Spirit? It's by knowing the character of God. We just said the Spirit is, is God. So if we're to know who the Spirit of God is, we've got to know who God is, what He's like. We have to read our scriptures. We need to know the Bible. We have to spend time with God. How are we expected to pinpoint the work of the Holy Spirit if we have no idea what God is actually like? So this is how we can get to who the Holy Spirit is. 
by knowing the character of God and by spending time with him, by learning, by studying the word, by asking him to reveal us what he's like so that we can have open eyes to him moving in our own lives and in the lives of other people. If we knew who the Holy Spirit was, maybe we wouldn't be so skeptical when we see people saying this, that, or the other in the name of God. We would actually be able to discern, is that God? Is that the Holy Spirit? Because we're supposed to have discernment through the Holy Spirit as well. That's not what we're talking about here. We'll talk about gifts some other day. So this is how we can know who the Holy Spirit is. This brings us to our last question for the morning, which is really the main thing that we're supposed to be talking about today, but I feel like there was a lot of work to get there. The last question is, what does it actually mean to walk by the Spirit? Or what does it actually look like to engage with the Holy Spirit? Not just to recognize the working of the Holy Spirit, but if the Holy Spirit's a person, how am I actually supposed to engage on a personal level with this person, the Holy Spirit? Paul's going to instruct us, so we're going to go back to the text that Zeke read earlier in Galatians 5, and we're going to kind of like pick through and see what we can learn about how we're supposed to relate to the Holy Spirit. And So let's go to, uh, if you've got your guide up, if you've got a digital or physical copy of the Bible, go to Galatians 5, we're going to start at verse 16. So Paul says this, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things you want to do. I love that verse 16 starts out with a promise. I don't know if you guys read that as a promise, but that's how it's written. It's written as a promise. It says, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. He's saying, if you are walking by the Spirit, if you're walking in step with the Spirit, if you're submitted to and understanding who the Holy Spirit is and submitted to Him, there is zero chance that you're going to be walking in sin in those moments. It's impossible. That blows my mind. The first time I heard that, I was just like, oh, what? How amazing would it be if that was our reality all the time? Like we're like walking in step with the Holy Spirit. We know his righteousness. We are like perfectly free, not sinning. It'd be amazing. But that's just not our reality. That's not what we live in. We still have a sinful flesh. We have broken bodies that are bent towards sin and opposed to God. Scripture tells us over and over again that apart from the working of God in our lives, we are running in the opposite direction. And that's still true of the old person. Okay? My flesh still desires sin. Apart from me walking in the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit, I desire the same things that people who do not follow Jesus desire. I can't make it any more clear. I'm a sinner. You're a sinner. 
You believe in Jesus, you sin. You need Jesus. Thankfully, we're told that we've been given the helper so that we can walk in righteousness. So that's not all doom and gloom. Yes, we're still in these bodies of flesh. Yes, we're still prone to sin. But what's the difference between the person who is not indwelt with the Holy Spirit and the person who isn't? The difference is a holy discontent with your sin, not a, ah, I'm okay with that. You know what? I recognize that I'm walking in sin and I'm just going to keep going and I'm not really bothered. It's a, no, I know this is wrong and I'm sick to my stomach and I can't live until I reconcile with the fact that I'm still this way. That's the difference. Not that we're perfect. I mean, gosh, if you've spent five minutes with me, you know that. I say some of the dumbest crap. Tim spends the most time with me, he knows. I do some of the dumbest stuff. So I challenge you, how can we know if we're walking in the Spirit or not? So we're going to talk about what it means to walk by the Spirit, but how can we know if we're not walking by the Spirit in a moment, in any given moment? How do we know I am walking in the Spirit of God or I'm not? I'm aligned with the heart of God or I'm not? Well, Paul gives us a non-comprehensive list of pretty intense things that we can use to gauge whether we are actively walking in the Spirit or not. Go to verse 19. This is like one of those gauges, like a marker of like, am I walking in the spirit? He says, now the works of the flesh are evident. Just like cultural interpretation, this is obvious. You know when you're walking in the flesh. And then he says, sexual, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery. I don't know if you guys are caught up in that very much. Not really our culture. Enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, and the list goes on. But the beautiful thing about this list is he ends it by saying, and things like these. So this is not the end of the list. There are like lots and lots and lots and lots of other things that you could throw on this list, but Paul's like, listen, I only got so much pen, I only got so much paper, we're going to stop here, things like these. And he says, it's obvious. You know when you are not, when you are actively living in opposition to God. So I would challenge you, okay? At the end of every day, try and take stock. Was I living in any of these or any of the other lists, things that you know are sinful? And just take a gauge and don't beat yourself up. Because remember, Jesus came to pay the full price for the punishment of the sins that you commit. So as you go through your day and say, I was not walking in the Spirit, I definitely was having fits of anger, I definitely was jealous in those moments. Don't beat yourself up, but recognize and become discontent that you are that way. This is like a primer to walking in the Spirit, is recognizing when you're not walking in the Spirit. And I love that Paul starts with this. But this begs the question, how do I actually know if I am walking in the Spirit? Now we've, we've kind of like established, I know when I'm not walking in the Spirit. But how do I know if I am walking in the Spirit? So he helps us out with this one as well. He says, the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of the presence of the Spirit of God in you is love, 
joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That list, that's the tree blowing in the wind. That's the mile marker. That's what you can point to and say, am I living in these things? Have I been acting in those things? You can do it moment by moment. And I, am I living in the fruit of the Spirit right now? If you're living in the fruit of the Spirit, you may not know it, but you're walking by the Spirit. It's just language. It's just putting language to what you're actually already doing. So many of you have spent time walking by the Spirit, but if you said, hey, how's your life in the Spirit today? You would get really uncomfortable because you're like, oh, I don't know, I'm not charismatic. Like, well, you were living in the Spirit if you were like functioning in that and submitted to the Lordship of Jesus, you actually were walking in the Spirit. It's just language. Don't get freaked out by it. It's fine. But this is how we can know if we are actively walking in the Spirit. But we need to know that walking by the Spirit, living in that list, living in those things, is actually not our default, like we've talked about. So we've got to fight to get there. We've got to fight to remember who we are in Jesus. We've got to fight to remember that he sent his spirit to indwell us and that he says, I'll never leave you, I'll never forsake you. We have to fight to remember that the presence of God is with us right now because we actively don't, we need to remember. Just one more time, okay? This is just one more time. The mark of a true believer in Jesus is not that they don't sin, but rather that the Holy Spirit within them is giving them a holy discontent with their sin and a longing to fight against it. If you've been like battling with very specific sins or doubt or jealousy, like these specific things it could be a struggle with pornography, it could be anger that you've held on to, bitterness for your entire life. Are you content with it? Are you content to just stay there? Or do you like rage inside a little bit? Are you so uncomfortable? You know what that is? That's the Spirit of God in you, pushing you toward righteousness. Listen to that. Is this, is this just my conscience? Is this just, is that just my conscience that I feel bad, that I did a bad thing? Listen, I'm fully convinced that your conscience, the more you follow Jesus, becomes aligned with the heart of God. So your conscience or not, it's a good thing lean into it, pursue it, and say, I'm not okay with that. I'm going to trust that Jesus covers this sin, and I'm going to actively ask him that by his power, by his strength, not by my strength, because clearly I can't do it on my own, that I will overcome, and that I will fight against this, and move toward holiness. That's walking in the Spirit. Okay? Um... Me and my friends, we wrote a song kind of like on this idea because we were like, found ourselves just like wrestling with specific sins over and over again. This was like years back. But the one thing that was really encouraging was our discontentment with it. 
So we wrote a song, and I think one of the lyrics says, um, there's hope within the fight. And then it says something along the lines of, a dead man cannot fight. If I were, if I were completely spiritually dead and not awake to who God is, I would not be wrestling right now. But my discontentment comes from the Spirit of God living inside of me. So Paul, in verse 24, just kind of on this idea, he says, Consider your flesh and its desires to be dead. There's a verse in Galatians as well, the same book, Galatians 2.20, where he says the same idea. He says, I've been crucified with Christ, and it's no longer I who live, but Christ that lives within me. It's the same idea that he's talking about here in verse 24. Consider your old person, your sinful flesh, dead. Don't let it breathe. Suffocate it. Pummel it. So that you can live in the newness of life that you've been given. What Jesus is telling Nicodemus, you have to be born of the Spirit. Live in that new life that you've been born into. Because that's life in the Spirit of God. So point blank, if you needed to take away, what does it mean to walk by the Spirit? If you didn't hear anything else up until this point, I want you to hear this. To walk by the Spirit is to acknowledge the presence of God with us, the Holy Spirit, and to engage with Him. That's what it means to walk by the Spirit, is to recognize His presence and to engage with Him. Don't be numb, don't be cold, don't resist, but engage. You can dialogue. You can dialogue with the Holy Spirit. Try it. The interesting thing is, some people will think, oh, this walking by the Spirit is an extra thing in Christianity. It's a nice thing for my discipleship. But actually, to walk by the Spirit is the essence of living the Christian life. You're not living the Christian life unless you're walking in the Spirit. You're just living the same way you were before. So take stock. You've got gauges, right? Okay, you've got, I know what it means. I know when I'm not walking by the Spirit. I have some of those signposts to know when I am walking by the Spirit. This is where it's like, just take stock of it. How have I been living? Have I been living in the power and the presence of God? And in those areas, it's like going to the gym, right? Now I recognize that I've been walking by the Spirit in this area of my life. Like, work it out. Like, stretch those muscles and, like, work out those muscles. Now I know what it means to walk by the Spirit. Now I'm going to do it more. I'm going to strengthen that muscle. I'm going to get stronger in that area. I want to know even more. I want to get better at walking in the Spirit. So go to the spiritual gym, if you will, for as cheesy as that is. Um, we're going to go deeper into this in gospel communities on how we can best align our lives so that we are walking by the Spirit, so that we're remembering identi our identity in Jesus and the fact that we are children of God. We're going to spend the whole month of July talking about these spiritual practices. And we're going to try implementing them as a church together, one at a time. We're going to take it slow. So we're getting there. But for now, this is what it means to walk in the Spirit. Let's pray. It's really hot. It's getting hot. I'm sorry. Thank you guys for sitting there.
Um, but let's pray. And we're going to sing another song. And we're just going to ask God that he would uh, make us more aware of his presence. So God, would you grant that we would be more aware of your presence here with us? Would you give us eyes to see how you're moving in other people and in our own selves so that we can identify it and that we can do it more and more? God, help us to consider our old selves, our flesh and its desires dead and to walk in the newness of life, of life in your spirit. God, we pray that it would transform our lives from this moment on. You have to do this in us, and that's why we ask you. We trust you. Amen.